What's going on, Card Nation? Welcome to another episode of The Breakdown here on a Thursday night, episode 55 of the show. Man, it's hard to believe it's been that long. But we're still rolling along, still having a good time. Taylor Lynch with you, Lewis Metzinger, as always, talking everything Louisville and the ACC and all that fun stuff tonight. we got a great show lined up for you guys. We're going to uh, talk a little bit about ACC Media Day going on last week um, there in Charlotte. We'll talk about that. We'll hear from Bobby Petrino. Also, we'll look at these preseason selections in the ACC and all the preseason award watch lists that several Louisville players are on. We'll tell you about that. Um, the summer football preview series is going to continue to roll along this week as we're joined by Rob McLam, uh, beat writer and host of the Inside Pack Sports podcast, uh, as he comes on to talk a little NC State with us. So, Lewis, with that, good evening, buddy. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well, man. Uh, just working hard out at uh, the car lot, sweating away, so I'm ready to just sit and relax and cool down and talk some mobile sports. Yeah, that sounds like a good plan, man, and uh, that's what we're going to do tonight. Um, before we kind of get into everything, there have been some events the last couple of days uh, going on with the with the KFC Yum Center and coming to a new agreement with the University of Louisville and the City of Louisville and the KFC Yum Center. And if you've been following it at all, uh, you probably know more than, than Lewis and I know. Um, but I did want to read this article because I was doing some research pre-show and Howie Lindsay just posted this piece about 22 minutes ago, and I think it really kind of talks about everything that's going on right now. Um, and this is this is his piece, and it's on um, uh, Louisville's Rivals website. Um, and again, this is by Howie Lindsay. Uh, the new arena deal brings more questions than answers. Uh, the Louisville Board of Trustees, UofL Athletic Association, and the Arena Authority each ratified a new agreement between the University of Louisville and the KFC Yum Center today. An event like this should give an answer to a frequently asked question. How can we save the Yum Center? But instead, it seems like Louisville supporters have more questions after the agreement than before. Most notably, was this the best... (laughs) Now we've got apps opening while I'm trying to read this. If you guys could have heard us pre-show trying to get everything set up, this, this is just naturally how this would go. Um, let's see, certainly it helps the KFC Yum Center, uh, as they get an extra month of priority scheduling dates and 2.42 million from the University of Louisville Athletics Department. Part of the deal will also have the city kicking in the maximum yearly payment of 10 million per year. But was this best for the university? UofL Athletics was begged to come downtown when the Yum Center was initially built and the 10 year, original 10 year lease reflected that. Jurich was a big part of those discussions, and it was a deal favorable to UofL. This new deal, not so much. Fans and supporters likely who have fewer, uh, likely would have fewer questions about the new deal and its benefit to the university if UofL's chief negotiator, vice president of athletics, Tom Jurich, was known to have been a bigger part of the negotiations. Clearly, interim president Greg Postal took the lead you know what and another app's opening i'm done i'm done (laughs) i'm I'm done um done with that so we've got apps opening on the phone 
while we're trying to do this and it's just it's not working so basically though the deal is the the arena themselves the kfc yum center is really coming out ahead in this deal um because UofL is going to pay them more money than they did in the original agreement. UofL is also going to lose a month, um, or the KFC Center will gain a month of scheduling opportunities for them. And really, Tom Jurich didn't have anything to do with these negotiations. It was mostly, uh, well, it was all Greg Postal, the interim president, and his office handling the negotiations. And Tom Jurich was just let know uh, and advised of what was going on. So, here's my thing. I, and maybe I'm naive, and maybe I don't know enough, or it's a generational thing, or, or something like that, but I really could care less about this whole situation. And, you see, I have a hard time feeling sorry for people that make millions of dollars sitting around a table arguing over millions of dollars. I'm I'm sorry, but just as a person that doesn't make very much money, I don't I, I have a hard time, you know, feeling for that. But and I've read a lot and I, I've seen a lot of people posting about this situation and oh well U of L should leave and U of L should build their own arena and, and blah 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 blah. And I hear you on that. But if you think that UofL is not going to play at the KFC Yum Center, I, I think you're delusional because that's the entire reason that the KFC Yum Center was built to begin with. Um, and if you look around the country, there isn't really a big venue like that that doesn't house a sports team as its primary uh, tenant. I mean, literally, you look at any any arena in the country, look at you know where the Cavs play, uh, look at the where the Colts play at Indianapolis. Um, I mean, any of these big arenas, they all house a sports team. So there's no way UofL was not going to play at the KFC Yum Center. Um, but I guess if Tom Jurich wanted to, he could certainly build an arena somewhere else and, and do that. So I, I don't get that. I, don't, uh, I think that might be a little rash of an argument there. Um, and I just, I mean, a lot of people are complaining about, you know, the extra $2 per ticket this year, which was going to happen anyway. It's not like it's part of the negotiation uh, for the new contract for the KFC. And so that was happening anyway, and we knew about that weeks ago. Um, and a lot of people are, well, I'll just stay home and or thinking that this is going to affect ticket sales and, and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, UofL basketball is the number one revenue producer in the country. And they're like they are the number one revenue producer because their fans are not afraid to spend money to buy tickets and do stuff like that. So, do you really think an extra two dollars a ticket is really going to make that much of a difference to people that are already paying so much for tickets to begin with? I don't think it will. Um, but I just I don't I feel like Lewis, this is like the ultimate. We are in the dead period, in the middle of July. Football is, we can see it, but it's still far away. And we literally have nothing to talk about. So we're going to get in an uproar about the lease for the 
University of Louisville and the KFC Yum Center and the city of Louisville. So, yeah, I mean, I, I mean I, go ahead. I'm, uh, the, uh, the, the floor is yours. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I honestly could not care less. I mean, if, if we're going to stay playing at the Yum Center, that's great. It's the nicest and um, newest and one of the best-looking arenas in the entire world, NBA included. Um, so I'm not you know it would suck to not play there but i'm sure they'd build an equally impressive camp or an equally impressive um arena on campus if they had to do that i just really don't care um and you're right it's it's if this happened during the season it might be talked about for a one day maybe but yeah. um there'd be so much more going on so it's just it's a lot of fluff and we don't really know a whole lot um and it's just really not that interesting i don't think I think the one thing, like if you really, and, and the one thing that that does bother me about this, and I, and I can say I am, you know, kind of ticked off about it, is you don't include Tom Jurich in the negotiations when you're doing this deal, and he did the negotiations on the first deal. So, I guess if you want to be rubbed the wrong way by anything about this, that is grounds to be a little aggravated. I mean, because you've got the guy that it's his product that's in that building. Um, you would think he would have a little bit of a say, especially since he did the very first time. So I guess in that in that instance, yeah, that's a little aggravating. Um, but I think there's a lot of like conspiracy theorists, and I didn't realize we had so many of these in incarnation. Uh, but there are a lot of people that just think, you know, Greg Postal and and the. Uh, academic side of the university is out to get Tom Jurich and the athletic side and they want to push Tom Jurich out and I I mean to me that all I guess if you want to look at it that way there's you could find evidence to look at it that way but I'm I'm refused to believe that that is the case I mean when you're a CEO of a company and you could think of Greg, uh, Greg Postal, the the interim president U of L, as like the CEO of U of L. So if if you're CEO of a company, then why on earth would you want to get rid of your best employee that's making you the most money? That's what Tom Jurich is for Greg Postal. So why why would you want to to push him out? Um, so I don't. I don't know. I mean, have you ever seen a time, Lou, and, and we've seen some stuff happen at UofL in the last 18 months or so, um, but do you remember anybody that's ever had this many like conspiracy theorists and, and everybody's out to get everybody, which is kind of how it feels right now? No, I, and you're right. It, it's Again, it just goes back to the fact that it's the middle of July. There's very little to talk about. We're, exactly. we're talking about Lamar Jackson's haircut. We're talking about the arena <laughs> uh, potentially changing. We're talking about... Jair um, Alexander can sing, apparently. Yeah, Jair Alex Alexander dancing and singing. Like, it's just... It is peak July right now. Welcome um, to July, people. Yeah, especially in this area. It's just... It's ridiculous. Um, I'm just... Read, dude, I cannot... I, I just can't wait for us to, to hit... August and September. Yes. Like, bring it on, please. Yes. I mean, July 31st is when fall camp starts for football. Um, so we, I, I, I can't wait for that. 
And I think that if this happened in August, we would we would talk about it for a day. Yeah. I, because we'd have football and we'd have football practice and, you know, how's the running running back position looking? Is Reggie Bonifond really taking all the snaps with the ones running back? I mean, this this is the kind of stuff we'll be talking about then. So I do kind of think that this is blown up. I mean, yes, it is a big deal. I mean, it's it's contract negotiations and it's a new agreement and it's costing U of L more money and all of that and U of L's probably already gonna have to give back some money to the NCAA. So I mean, you know, I I get why it's a big deal, but it's like, man, I feel like we're really talking about this more than we need to. Uh, but we're not going to spend any more time on it because we already spent 13 minutes on it. And that was more than I wanted to spend on it anyway. Um, so we're going to transition a little bit here. And we're going to talk some football because, like I said, July 31st is when fall camp starts for UofL. Last week was ACC Media Days. Um, and Lamar Jackson, Bobby Petrino, Jair Alexander – all there at ACC Media Day. Um, we're going to play a little bit of Bobby Petrino sound. Um, but right now, Lou, let's take a look here at some of these. All these preseason watch lists are coming out now. And Louisville has basically take your pick of anybody on the roster. Um, they're probably on a watch list. Um, of course, Lamar Jackson, the Maxwell Award. Uh, the preseason ACC Player of the Year. The Danny Werfel Award. The Davey O'Brien Award. Uh, Jair Alexander's on the Bednarik Award watch list, the Thorpe Award, the Horning Award. You've got Mickey Crum and Jordan Davis on the John Mackey Award, which goes to the best tight end. Uh, Blanton Creek on the Lou Groza Award for the best kicker. Drew Bailey and Jaron Christian on the Outland Award. Uh, Drew Bailey, James Hearns, and Jair Alexander on the Nagurski Award watch list. Uh, James Hearns, Trayvon Young on the Butkus Award. And, of course, on the All-ACC first team, Lamar Jackson and Jair Alexander. Whew, that's a lot. Uh, Lou, when you hear those names and, and all those watch lists, I kind of, when I saw it, I kind of had to sit back and go, man, like there's a lot of talent on this year's Louisville football team. I mean, I already knew it before, but when you look at that, it's like, it's nice that other people notice it now too, and it's not just us. Oh, I, for sure. I mean, again, you know, keep in mind these are watch lists, and it's July, so <laughs> there's a lot of names. Thank you on for those bringing lists. me down. Yeah, bring um, me down. Yeah, keep you grounded a little bit, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely always good to have to see at least your team on that list, as trivial as they can be. Um, you know, some of those guys are not surprising, um, but then it's nice to see guys like Jordan Davis who haven't even played a snap to be on that right. list so uh, that's definitely exciting and, and you, know, you know I'm a big Jordan Davis fan I think he's gonna have a great season so and I think you're right and I mean when you obviously a lot of other people think that too that's that's why he's on the list for the John Mackey award with Mickey Crum um, two guys that really I mean we saw it from Mickey two seasons ago but then we really didn't see much from him last year and then we haven't seen anything yet from Jordan Davis in a L uniform um, so that was kind of interesting to me to see two guys that we we don't really know a whole lot about uh, on that watch list. So hopefully that means we're going to have a breakout year from both of them um, at the tight end position. So we talked about it, teased it a little bit. Um, Bobby Petrino talked uh, first last week uh, when the Atlantic Division coaches stepped to the podium. Um, so we're going to play a little bit of that for you now. 
uh, and I believe we've got Lamar Jackson and Jair Alexander mixed in here too. So here it is uh, from last week at ACC Media Days. Here's Bobby Petrino. Bowl and uh, stayed right here at the West, and everyone treated us great. Our fans and, and our players had a great experience. And this is the home of one of our players that I brought with me today, Jair Alexander. So that makes it special, and his parents are here somewhere, so be good to say hi to them. Um, as far as our football team goes, I really liked what we got done in spring ball. You know, as far as the defensive side of the ball goes, we do return a lot of starters and, and veterans, uh, but they had a lot to learn. You know, we brought a new defensive coordinator in, Peter Sermon, who I really like. I think Peter's a tremendous motivator and a great teacher uh, and really understands what the players are, are going through and does a great job of, of understanding and coaching them. And then we brought in Lorenzo Ward as our, our secondary coach. Uh, Lorenzo had worked for me previously. Uh, he's a high-energy guy and a, and a great teacher and I think will really help us with our ability to play hard and, and play fast. But our players had to learn um, new terminology, you can kind of compare the schemes because there's a lot of things that carry over and a lot of things defensively where X's and O's are, are the same, but it's what you do within the X's and O's that count and the technique that you utilize and the speed that you play at. Um, and I'm excited about what I saw from our defense in spring. As far as offense goes, uh, we have more depth on the offensive line. And that will help us. There'll be competition. Uh, it'll make everybody better there. Uh, obviously, our offensive line takes a little bit of criticism from, from last season, but it's really on the entire offense, on me, on our coaches, on our uh, wide receivers, running backs, tight ends, quarterbacks. Uh, anytime that we get sacked or have a negative play on offense, it's everybody. Um, so it wasn't just the offensive line. Uh, we did bring in a new offensive line coach in Mike Summers, who I've worked with. I, I think this is the fifth time that I've hired Mike. Um, and he's a really good coach, a really good teacher. Uh, he'll help us a lot. And I think it was the, it'll be the first time in my career that we have the fifth coach on offense, uh, kind of do it in the anticipation of the, of the tenth assistant, which I thought we would get immediately, but now we need to wait till January to see that happen. Um, I'm excited about our, our running backs. Uh, Reggie Bonifant has been back in the backfield full time. Uh, does a great job back there, is big enough to pass protect, has great hands, and, and really can run with the ball after the catch. Uh, so the more reps that we give him from that, the more touches we get him, um, the better football player he's going to be. I kind of felt like last year I didn't get him the ball enough, and we weren't able to utilize him as much as we were the year before. So we're, we're going to make sure that doesn't happen this year. Malik Williams is back off of, off of injury. Malik was really coming on at the end of the year last year and got injured uh, covering a kickoff. He's a great kickoff cover guy, but um, running the football, he was really maturing, was getting more and more reps, and uh, he's a very talented guy. He's 216 pounds, and he's fast. I think that's the thing that, that's really special about him is he can take it the distance and go score. and. And then Jeremy Smith would be the other guy who's coming off injury that uh, you know, should be back full speed here when we get started up in, in uh, I want to say August, but it's actually July 31st. So, um, and then Lamar had a good spring. You know, we, we did work him more underneath the center. 
Uh, we wanted to get him comfortable doing that. Uh, in fact, the first week of spring ball, we, we stayed under the center. He can really drop and throw it from under there. He does a good job in the run game. The, the best thing about Lamar is it was never an issue of taking the snap. So he could always take the snap. It was just getting used to the footwork, getting to the right mesh point to help the running back out. And I think it'll help us be a, a harder team to defend. I, I really believe that. Um, but he worked hard on his progression reads. Uh, he took a lot of pride out on the practice field, understanding the coverages, what the safeties are doing, and going through his, his progression. Uh, he also worked real hard on his footwork, making sure he gets set, gets his back leg under his hip. Uh, and when he does that and stands tall, he's a very, very accurate thrower. He's a great deep ball thrower. And, uh, you know, it was fun to really go back this summer. Uh, my little brother came in town, who's the head coach of the University of Idaho, so we went back and watched all the video from last year. And it was fun to watch the throws that he made and the plays that he made throwing the football. Um, and we didn't even watch the running game. So it was an um, exciting time for us. But he made a lot of strides. He's going to continue to get better. And the best thing about Lamar Jackson is his attitude and work ethic. Comes to practice every day with a smile on his face and goes uh, 100%. So that makes everybody around us a lot better. Um, as far as the summer goes, our guys have been working hard. I like the attitude. I like the freshmen that are on campus. You know, we had a, a good year of recruiting, particularly in the offensive line, um, the defensive backfield. We're going to need some depth from the new guys and, and be able to you know, get a, maybe a nickel out of it and uh, some guys that can back up and do a great job. Um, I do really like the receiver group. You know, they're, uh, they're actually a, uh, a little better than I anticipated. They're fast and have good size and, and uh, can really run um, after they catch the ball. So that's going to be exciting to see how they get into the mix and, and uh, what type of um, reps that they get. Uh, we also got a big tight end that I'm real excited about that's 6'7", 265 pounds in Kamari Averett that can uh, move and run. And um, I really think that he'll have an opportunity to get into the depth and get some playing time if he can learn. You know, you never know until you start practicing how quickly you can pick things up and adapt to the speed and, and how everything goes out there. But uh, as far as fall uh, camp goes, the first challenge of that was to really get it down on paper and see how we're going to do it. You know, they changed the rules on us right in, in midstream, and you could back up and, and start earlier. Uh, there are no two-a-days, and it is really a challenge. And um, I think we went through it four, maybe five different times on what's the right way to do it. How do I don't want to start too early. We've been real successful in opening games. And, uh, but yet I want to get our practices in. So what we're going to end up doing is, is starting on July 31st, uh, which would be a Monday. And then we get 28 of our practices in. They get their days off. Uh, that way they get the weekend um, off here right before we get started. I think that's important for them. Um, I think it's something that was real important to see what's the best way for our football players uh, and not practice too long before the opening game. You know, we need to catch up a little bit with the rules as far as the climatization period um, and with these adjustments, because all the guys are on campus any, are on campus all summer long now anyway. 
Um, in the old days, it was a great rule because you were able to bring guys in and make sure that they stayed safe and stayed healthy. Um, but it's a little bit outdated now, and particularly when you when you take the two a days away. So, hopefully, we'll we'll make adjustments on that next year. But I am looking forward to camp. I think we've got a good football team. I think we got uh, a lot of competition that will go on in camp. And like I always tell the players, it's their responsibility to show their teammates who the starters are. And the depth usually takes care of itself if they just understand that that they got to come to work every day. Um, do a great job on the field, do a great job in the meeting room, and prove to their players you know, who the starters are. We have high expectations for this team. I know our coaching staff does. I know our players do. Certainly our fans and, and our administration have high expectations for us. Uh, and this is a really tough conference. You know, It's going to be very competitive. Every team that we play has really good players. Every team that we play is very, very well coached. So we're going to have to do a great job of being in great condition, developing our depth, and being able to perform in the fourth quarter when the pressure's on. I think that's what you're going to see a lot of fourth quarter uh, wins or fourth quarter losses this year throughout the conference. Uh, got two great young men with me today. Um, the 2016 Heisman Trophy winner in, in Lamar Jackson. Uh, one of the unique things about Lamar is um, on our campus, our football team had the most community service hours, and the number one guy in that was Lamar Jackson. So he not only is a great football player, but he loves giving back to the community, loves being around young kids, and um, he's going to come up here and, and answer questions for you here in just a second. And then we got Jair Alexander, who, like I said, is, is right from here in, in Charlotte. Jair is an unbelievable football player for us. He had a great year last year as our starting corner. Um, I think he got five interceptions and, and uh, made a lot of really big plays for us that gave us opportunities to win the game. And then he's one of the uh, premier punt returners in the, in the country. And it's our job is to get him some room, get him to be able to catch the ball with some room. So we really work hard on holdups and blocking um, because we know every time he touches it, he's got an opportunity to go the distance. So with that, I'll just uh, introduce Lamar Jackson first. Lamar, as you step towards the podium, we have folks in the room with microphones, so they'll ask the questions. We have rovers on either side. We ask that you please raise your hand so we can find you. Please stand at your seat. Identify yourself to the student athletes so they know who you are in the agency. And we'll start in the very back of the room. Camera stand. Hand up. Very back to our left. Thank you. Hey, Lamar. Mark Larson, Spectrum News, Syracuse. Uh, just wondering what you had in mind for an encore this year. Say it again? What do you have in mind for an encore? How can you possibly improve on last year? Um, well, you know, start off with, you know, giving my all. You know, we start with Purdue. And um, each and every game, we're going to go out there and try to get a victory. You know, I'm trying to win more games than last year. And the biggest goal is a national championship. We're going to have a question right here in our front. Lamar, to your right. Lamar, Dan Satora, wakeupcalldt.com. Just to speak on some of the guys that you think have stepped up at running back and at wide receiver, knowing that you had some guys move forward from their eligibility, just what you can say about some of the weapons this year. 
Um, well, I'm going to start off with Reggie Bonifon, um, number seven. You know, he played all type of positions, running back, uh, quarterback, receiver. You know, he's he just a freakish athlete. I'm gonna start, um, you know, he do a tremendous job, but, you know, being a coach, um, get in the position and try to be the best at it. Uh, Jalen Smith, you know, uh, wide out, number nine. Um, another tremendous guy coming back for me. Um, can't wait to see him out there. It's, it's a lot of receivers we have. You know, I can't name them all, but you have to see for yourself. Lamar, Tom Shanahan from FanRag Sports. Last year here, I remember you talked about being nervous about being one of the two guys that Coach picked to come. wonder if you could talk about how you've gotten used to dealing with the media and how maybe you've learned not to let that uh, hurt your play on the field. And, and how do you feel about being here this year? Uh, well, you know, last year, you know, that's my first time being in front of you guys. Uh, I was kind of nervous. Um, was kind of nervous this year, too. But, you know, we got to get, get through it. Going to be here all day. And I'm loving it now. Uh, see smiles on you guys' faces. It's good. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> Lamar, your last question will come to our left, sir, if you'll please stand. All right. Uh, Lamar, Paul Woody, Richmond Times, Dispatch, Richmond, Virginia. When you're the defending reigning Heisman Trophy candidate, does it remove pressure because you don't have to win it? Uh, prove that you win, need to win it again? Does it add pressure because you have to live up to that standard? Uh, and do you feel like teams are going to be revved up to play against the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback? Oh, uh, well, you know, you know, I don't really worry about it. You know, it's done, have it. Um, I'm going to every game, you know, trying to win it. You know, I'm not worried about the Heisman Trophy or anything like that. You know, I wasn't trying to win it last year. You know, it happened, you know, my teammates helped me out, you know, my coaches helped me out, and, you know, I'm just blessed and I'm humble. Lamar, thank you. In the interest of time, we'll bring Jalen, um, uh, sorry, Jair up. Still early for everybody in the session. My apologies. Jair Alexander, <clears throat> questions from the room, please. <clears throat> testing, testing. Sorry. <clears throat> Good morning. Jair, we're going to go right here. I'm sorry, to my right, third row, far right. Drew Diener, ESPN Louisville. Jair, what's the biggest change in this defense? Obviously, you got a new defensive coordinator. What's going to be the, the focus and, and the change versus the scheme that was run last, last year and year before? Well, the biggest changes so far is, is really personnel, um, being able to bring in um, newer players and coming in to be able to become a factor in this defense. Schematically, the defense is the same as the previous defense. Just the verbiage changes uh, in which we all know that. Jair right here to our right, first row. Jair, just what you can say about being back in Charlotte and kind of putting Charlotte on your back when you're playing for Louisville. Oh, it feels good to be back in Charlotte. You know, it feels feel like homecoming all over again. Um, I think a few people in here covered me in high school. Um, so thank you all. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, it feels pretty good, though. Jai, you're staying on the right side here in the second row. Bob Holiday, WRL.com. There are 28 players here for this event. A whole bunch of them are from North Carolina and a lot from in Charlotte. Would you reflect on your high school playing experience in, in Charlotte and how that prepared you to play in the ACC at your level? Well, in high school, I was, I was, I was pretty good. Um, uh, AP All-State two years uh, in a row, but that did not deter me from my ultimate goal, which was coming in college and becoming a factor, um, whether that be on defense or punt return, uh, just becoming a factor anywhere. Uh, you know, also not 
having having the uh, scholarship offers from the Triangle colleges also motivated me to do better and go harder. Jair, left side towards the doors, standing up here. Hi, Jair. Paul Woody, Richmond Times Dispatch. Uh, when you go against Lamar in practice, do you see much difference this year than last year? Or, and off the field, do you see much difference this year from last year? Oh, yes, sir, definitely. Lamar's, Lamar's definitely more accurate. He puts a zip on the ball that I might not even want to pick off sometimes. Um, you know, and even off the field, you know, his humility speaks out, speaks volumes because, you know, for him to win the Heisman and have a really good season like he did last year, you know, to be able to, to interact with the teammates and other people, like, he didn't win it. Like, you would, you, like if you never watched football, you wouldn't even know he won the Heisman. You know, that, you know, he's real humble. He works hard on and off the field. Jair, your last question will come to the right about fifth row back. Mark Ennis, ESPN Louisville. Uh, we, everyone's asked Lamar so what he thinks maybe he needs to improve on. What, what do you think you need to improve on coming into this season? What do I need to improve yeah, on? What do you think you need to improve on? Okay, well, pretty much I feel like I need to improve on being more consistent uh, in technique. Um, Coach Petrino uh, tells me all the time that I need to focus on my technique. Um, it's gotten a lot better, but still work needs to be done, and I will accomplish that. Jair, thank you. Coach, we'll bring you back up for questions and answers. Thank you. Once again, folks, please raise your hand high in the air and identify yourselves for the coach. First question for Coach Petrino. All right, so we'll kind of end it there. A uh, little bit of Bobby Petrino, Jair Alexander, Lamar Jackson uh, from ACC Media Day last week. A uh, couple interesting things there from that. I think first and foremost, that sounds like a confident football coach when you hear Bobby Petrino talk about his team this year. I think Bobby knows he's got some guys. He's got some dudes on defense. He's got some dudes on offense. Um, and to me, he just he really sounds like he knows that he has something special this season. And, of course, you would feel that way when you bring back uh, the Heisman Trophy winner from a year ago. Uh, did you get the same kind of feel from, from Coach P on that one, Lou? Uh, for sure. You know, and I, I'm trying to remember what the exact story was. I think um, my father-in-law, he's a big U of L fan, um, and he said last year I I went to a restaurant with him after the Florida State game, and I was just giddy and just in shock about what had just happened. And I said, I just can't even believe it. Um, did you think anything like that was even possible? And he looked at me and he smiled and he was like, oh, I knew. He's like, when I saw Coach Petino's, or Coach Petrino's face at the beginning of the season, you could just tell when he's excited about his team. Um, and I, I think that's definitely true, was definitely true last year, and I think it's definitely true this year. I, I totally agree. And I also, I mean, when you listen to Lamar, when he got up and, and spoke, there were a couple things. F first and foremost, Lamar put it right out there. We want to win a national championship. Uh, and I think that everybody kind of feels that way but I mean he went out and explicitly just said that's what we want to do and I don't think it's too far-fetched because you look at it last year and there was a point when they were number six in the college football playoff rankings right. I mean they, they were right there so I, I like that they're putting that out there I like that they're talking about that 
Um, and then also, I mean, how would you feel, Lewis, if you were every other player in college football and you heard Lamar Jackson say these words? Yeah, I got the Heisman, but it is what it is, and I really wasn't trying to win it last year. Yeah. I what? <laughs> I mean, there are guys that work their butts off, and, and I'm not saying Lamar Jackson does it because you know he does. You know he works his tail off, and he's relentless um, in his pursuit of perfection. But for, <laughs> for him to say it like that, like, that wasn't trying to win it. It, it kind of happened. Like, if I have every other player, I just I hang it up. I'm like, this dude was not even trying to win the Heisman last year and won the Heisman. So, I mean, what if he tries to win it this year? What, what happens then? What, what if he tries this year? He's getting I mean, 102 touchdowns. <laughs> he's running for 50, throwing for 52. Oh, man. But I, that one got me. That one, I, just, I, I heard that. I'm like, wow. If I'm every other player in the ACC, I'm like, man, what if this dude wants to win it back-to-back years? That would and that would scare me to death. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah, um, interesting stuff there. And then Jair Alexander. Dude, is there a more smooth guy in college football than Jair Alexander? It I doesn't mean, seem like it. I mean, dude is smooth. He's got the dance moves. He can sing. He looks like Michael Ely. Like, I mean, what, what more do you need? And I, I feel like... And I love that he's on all these preseason award watch lists because I kind of feel like for a lot of people, he kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. And was just like, and, and I like that. I like that he kind of got to come out of nowhere. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I just got, there's a chat function on Skype where you can send messages back and forth to people. And that's during the show, that's how Lewis and I communicate. Because um, my phone's plugged up, running all the sound and everything that you hear, and when guests call in, it's through my phone. So we, if we need to talk to each other, we talk through Skype. <laughs> and Lewis, you want to you wanna just explain the picture that you just sent me? <laughs> I don't know how to explain. I'm so confused. It's it's a tweet from the Courier Journal's official Twitter that says, "Should Tom Jurich get a hometown hero banner?" And it includes a link to what I assume is an article. I'm terrified to click on the link now, but the <laughs> the the picture that's attached, which is usually a picture or probably should be a picture of Jurich and maybe the city in the background, is is a rather um, gratuitous picture of. Uh, some partially covered breasts with what looks like foreign money kind of tucked between the two. I really just wanted to hear you explain it. (laughs) That was really what I was hoping to get out of this. And it was just as good as I thought it was going to be. Oh, man. This this is what you guys listen to to the breakdown for. Uh, I should have said this earlier, and I didn't. But if you guys are listening, first of all, Thank you, and you've made it through 
quite an eventful show, uh, but we definitely want you to share the podcast out. Uh, if you're listening on the iTunes uh, podcast app, just go to the bottom there and hit share and share that out. We really appreciate it. If you guys want to get in touch with us, let you know which or let us know what you think of the show. Uh, please do so on Twitter at the Breakdown UL, at Lewis Metzinger, or at Taylor Lynch. Um, and we'd really appreciate getting your feedback and hearing what you think about the show. Um, yeah, interesting picture. Don't don't click on the link, Lou. I don't. Make, I, somebody, I clicked on the link, and it it was of the official article. So. Should somebody let the CJ know? Like, I wonder whose job that is. Like, who picks the stock photos for the? Uh, I, yeah, somebody's got to. Somebody should alert the CJ of that one because that was especially given everything that's been going on with U of L. That is probably the worst possible picture. I had to put with an article about Tom Jurich. Oh, man. All right, guys. So we've <laughs> covered quite a bit today on the show already. Uh, we talked – you heard from Bobby Petrino there. We talked about the preseason watch lists uh, for all of these Louisville players. Um, and here in just a few minutes, we're going to continue the summer football preview series with, with Rob McLam, our guest uh, – from the Inside Pack Sports, uh, beat writer for them and host of the podcast uh, covering NC State. So we'll bring him on. We'll talk to him here in just a little bit, um, and we'll get his opinion on this next little topic that uh, Jimbo Fisher actually brought up at ACC Media Day last week and caused quite a stir, and everybody was talking about it, and all the SEC folk were in an uproar. But I think he may have a bit of a point here, Lewis. Uh, Jimbo Fisher, if you didn't hear, uh, in his comments about the conference, called the ACC the best football conference in the country. Now, of course, you know, all of your SEC folk were just losing their minds because all they've done for the last 20 years, and rightfully so, is pound their chest about how great the SEC is. And that's all well and good, and they have every right to do that because they have been a dominant conference. But I think last year, when you look at it, they, top to bottom, weren't that great. I mean, for the exception of Alabama, which is always there, um, they just they weren't. I mean, you had – if. And here's the, here's the perfect example. If a lot of people were saying because of that Florida-Alabama game, championship game, um, <laughs> oh, way to go, Mike Rutherford. Good. <laughs> Glad he was the one that, uh, that got to point that out to the CJ. Um, but even in that SEC championship game last year, there were a lot of people that said even if Florida beats Alabama – then Alabama is still going to play uh, in the Final Four, and Florida will not be. Um, if that lets you know just how lopsided and top-heavy that SEC is. So I think that Jimbo makes a good point that I think pound for pound, the ACC was the better football conference last year. And, Lewis, I think the ACC looks like it's probably going to be a better football conference this year. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I tend to agree with that. I mean, just from top to bottom, like outside of Alabama, it's Alabama and then it's everybody else. Um, yeah. Specifically this year, it just it's, you know, some of those powers that are usually up there, the Auburns, the um, 
LSU's, the Floridas, they're just not they're not there right now. Um, and yeah, now that could all change. Um, we don't know what the season's going to be like, but um, from this point, you know, from our vantage point right now in July, it looks like from top to bottom, the bottom will just be stronger in the ACC than it is in the SEC. And I think this could potentially be the first year in a while. You know, I guess last year sort of to a degree where the ACC is just just a better football conference and that's something that i don't think a lot of people would have ever thought would happen you're totally right i mean there are plenty of people that's even still don't think that, that will happen and don't think that would be the case but i mean when you look at it and looking at the athlon sports uh, preseason magazine the predicted order of finish in the acc they've got florida state uh first in the in the atlantic clemson second louisville third uh, followed by NC State, the subject of our summer football preview series today, uh, Wake Forest, Syracuse, and Boston College. Of those seven teams on that on the Atlantic side of the division, five of them, according to Athlon Sports, will be bowl eligible teams. Obviously, Florida State twelve and one, Clemson ten and two, Louisville nine and three, NC State seven and five, Wake six and six. The other two teams are a game away. From bowl eligibility, Syracuse at five and seven, and BC at five and seven. So, I mean, anything can change and end up making both or one of them bowl eligible as well. You look at the coastal side, which is typically always a nightmare, and it looks like it could be a bit of the same this year. Miami still, though, projected to win it at nine and four. Virginia Tech at nine and three, Pitt seven and five, Georgia Tech seven and five, North Carolina seven and five. Now the the bottom two in the Coastal Division are definitely worse than the bottom two, I think, in the Atlantic. I mean, you look at Duke at 4-8 and eight and Virginia projected at 3-9, and nine, um, winning just one conference game. But still, I think top to bottom, the ACC looks like it's going to be a better league this year. Um, so, I mean, we will see. We will see about that. Um, but I think that it looks like it's going to be a better league. Um, so... I don't know. There's still a lot to be discussed, especially with the coastal side and what ends up happening over there with Miami and what they can do. Um, but we're going to bring on our guest now as we continue our summer football preview series. And we are so happy to have Rob McLamb join us, uh, beat writer and host of the new podcast Inside Pack Sports uh, covering NC State. Uh, Rob, good evening, buddy. How's it going? I'm doing well, sir. How are you? We're doing great. Um, we were just kicking around this topic before you joined us about Jimbo Fisher's comments from last week at ACC Media Day, talking about the ACC uh, being the best football conference um, in America, and especially coming into this season. We, Lewis and I both kind of feel the same way. Um, where do you fall in that, especially in regards to the SEC, which I think a lot of people are comparing constantly the ACC to the SEC? Right. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, it's always going to be conjecture. Uh, I think opinions typically are jaded as well. Um, I think this past season, the ACC did win, but it, it depends on your perspective. If you're looking at it from a one season uh, point of view, at last season, I would say the ACC was better. They won the national championship and it was a team, frankly, uh, that NC State fans can tell you probably shouldn't have been in the national championship if the Wolfpack had handled their business, um, and Clemson had lost a home game to Pittsburgh, um, which was an, an average ACC team. But uh, I mean, you know, if you're looking at it from a five-year or a ten-year perspective, then I would give it to the SEC. Mm-hmm. Um, Alabama obviously is the uh, straw that stirs the drink now in the uh, 
in the Southeast Conference, but uh, you know, they have some good teams. But I do think the depth of the ACC is starting to catch up, and and um, you know I don't think there's any shame if you're a kid and you're five star and you're being recruited by SEC or ACC. I certainly don't think there's any shame in picking an ACC school uh, over uh, an, a Southeastern Conference school. Well, Rob, we sat here last year uh, when you joined us and we were talking about NC State. And I remember our conversation. We we may have spent, I don't know, 10 minutes talking about the 2016 NC State team. But then we spent the rest of our conversation talking about this 2017 team and how 2017 was going to be the year for NC State. So now we're here, Rob, in 2017. Is this really going to be the year for NC State, that they really make that turn, get over that hump, and make some noise in the Atlantic Division? Well, that's the hope. And if you look at the schedule, the odd number of years are the ones where NC State really can make their move. Uh, The three they're chasing are Louisville, Florida State, and Clemson. You have two of them at home. Uh, in the odd number of years. I mean, we're talking in context of the six conference games and mm-hmm. the uh, the one crossover, that one or the one annual crossover, your rivalry game. Um, the rivalry game for NC State is North Carolina. That game is in Raleigh. Um, the two road games in terms of, the, or pardon me, the three teams that, that are supposedly at the bottom, Boston College, Wake Forest, Syracuse, two of them are on the road. And and so you sort of, in order to be elite, you have to kind of handle those teams. So if you're going to look at it, you say, well, you know, if we can get, we can deal with them on the road and get the big boys at home, uh, then that's the time to make the move. The defensive line is is supposedly one of the best in the country. I believe it to be one of the best in the country. Uh, they have a lot of seniors. They have a lot of guys uh, that have pl- received significant playing time their entire career. And, uh, yeah, it's time to make a move. NC State's a program that's only won uh, double figures in, uh, in a season once in its entire history, and that's really kind of a shame. I think that's kind of an underachievement. So this is a season where uh, if you do make that move you, and you go 5-3 and three in, the, in, the, in the Atlantic and you still lose to those three big schools, but you run the table non-conference, you're 9-3, and three, you win a bowl game, that's 10-3. and three. You know, it's not great, but it's it's, it's – it's, um, a significant achievement for NC State. You really want to break through, though, and get to that top three. Uh, it's ideal to have uh, two of the three at home like the Wolfpack does. I think we've been hearing a lot in this off season, in the talking season that we're in now, um, and it seems like NC State is everybody's kind of trendy, dark horse kind of pick uh, mm-hmm. in, in the conference when they're talking about teams that can really make some noise and do some things. I'm wondering – they're at NC State and with this coaching staff and with Dave Doran, who a lot of people thought, you know, last year was probably was on the hot seat and and there have been questions about him and, and his, you know, the way he's led this this uh, this team. What is the feeling there in Raleigh and with this coaching staff about what they can accomplish this year? Well, I think it's quiet confidence. I think they believe they should have beat Clemson, and they're right. They should have beat Clemson. They really smashed Clemson. They, they yeah. you know, the the big thing about the Clemson game for those who did not see it, NC State was down there hitting. Yes, and they were hitting hard, and you know that's a that's a game that with a you know you know not God bless the kid, but he missed the field goal. Mm-hmm. But if you have an average D one kicker, uh, you you win that game. And they lined it up. It was in the middle of the field. It was not a, a fifty yarder. It was not something that. 
You know, we're we're not talking about um, you know an NFL uh, type court, uh, kicker. We just an average kicker. You you get that game. Same thing with Florida State. Florida State was a game they had to lead. Uh, they dropped an interception that would have sealed it, and then in, those Seminoles promptly scored on the next play to get the touchdown to win the game. I think it was by one or two points, three points maybe. Uh, but it, you know, those are games NC State had. NC State had the Boston College game. They had a seven, uh, had a touchdown lead, and they had another touchdown that would have really put the Eagles on the back foot. And, the the it, it was called back with a penalty, a dubious penalty. So uh, the Wolfpack looks at its, its season last year at seven and six and thinks we should have won three games, and that would have been uh, a ten and three season. The the one I just said that would have been great this season, they're thinking they should have had it last season. So they have quiet confidence, but at the same time, you realize with NC State, the, they they know that they have the burden of proof. They know they have to prove that they won't have a meltdown at the end of the game. They know they have to prove that they can not just play competitive, but actually beat the top three teams in the Atlantic division. And let's face it, if, if you want to amount to anything in the ACC and you're an Atlantic division school, you've got to deal with Louisville, Clemson, and uh, Florida State. And then if, if they're getting shut out in those three games, then the fourth place prediction that they had this season is, is really the best they're going to do. They could be a 9-3 and three team and be one of the best teams in school history and finish fourth in the Atlantic. That's how deep the, the division is. They have to make that move. So, they, like I said, they have quiet confidence, uh, but at the same time, they know they have to it's, – it's, it, they're in a position where they have to show it and not talk about it. Well, trust me, Rob, as a person that covers UofL, uh, the Wolfpack had quite a few uh, Wolfpack fans here in Louisville uh, as they were lining up to kick that field goal against Clemson last year. Uh, there were quite a few people in the Louisville area uh, cheering for the pack on that one. So – but you're right. I mean, it was a it was a season of almost uh, for NC State, and and hopefully they can change that a little bit going into this season. And I know, obviously, on offense, it seems like there is so much more continuity with this NC State team coming into this year than there was coming into last year, because now you know at quarterback um, that you have a guy there in Ryan Finley that you kind of know what to expect. Um, last year. He came in and he played well. Um, he, I don't think he, really, he wowed anybody, but um, 60.4% completion percentage um, and over 3,000 yards is a is a good season, and now he's had another year. Um, but you look at the running back position then and who he's going to hand the ball off to, and Matt Days, who ran over anything in front of him, is now gone for the Wolfpack. So where do they go now at that running back position? Well, they also lost a guy that, that was a top recruit that picked NC State after verbally committing to Florida State, and that was Johnny Frazier, who was from Princeton, North Carolina. He was a guy that many thought was going to be the running back of the future for NC State. <clears throat> Excuse me, he he's not in school anymore, um, and it's I mean that's a tough loss. So at running back, you have guys like Naheem Hines, who's sort of a shifty guy. He's from Garner, he's a junior, but you also want to play him as slot some. Reggie Gillespie's a junior. He's uh, uh, he's go- he's going to probably be the, be the one that uh, gets the the starting nod if, at, at first. It's his job to win or, or his job to lose, I should say. Uh, they have Daquad Nichols, who's a grad student. He's from Rockingham. Uh, they were top, uh, one of the top programs in the state of North Carolina. Uh, so they have some running running back. Uh, they have some questions, but they 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 have some talent back there as well. I don't think you there's you're going to get a guy like Days. You know, I think he had 11, almost 1,200 yards. 
Um, so all those touches he had, they're available, but I don't think they're going to one guy. I think they're going to be spaced out. And uh, I think with the spread offense that State uses, uh, some of those touches are going to be end up um, uh, coming in the passing game. I know Dave Doran likes a balanced attack, but uh, I anticipate NC State uh, to fling the ball a little bit more often uh, in 2017. Rob McLam, our guest here, beat writer and now host of the new podcast Inside Pack Sport. Uh, joins us here on the show talking a little NC State with us. Uh, Rob, last year I know we talked about it, and it seems like it's been an, an issue for NC State the past couple of seasons. It's that wide receiver position. And I think this year is the first year in a while that NC State has proven guys at that wide receiver spot, um, and hopefully the, the drops that were such a problem and have been a problem won't be a problem this year for this group. Um, so when you look at the wide receiver group, who is that guy that you think is going to be that go-to guy uh, for Ryan Finley this year? Well, Kelvin Harmon uh, set freshman records at NC State uh, in terms of receptions and stuff. He would, and if, he's, if he didn't set the record, it was right behind Corn Robinson, who's one of the great um, you know, first-year players ever at NC State. Uh, he's, he's a guy that you can, I think you can count on. Stephen Louise, uh, Redshirt Jr., he's also um, – well, he's from Florida. He – uh, he's a guy that, that sort of had a had I won't say a breakout season, but he he had a solid campaign last year. Jacoby Myers was recruited as a quarterback. Uh, he's now a wide receiver. Uh, this will be his second year. Last season he kind of got thrown in there. Um, they got a couple of guys from Durham: Maurice Trowell and uh, Deshaun Stevens. Deshaun Stevens is a redshirt freshman, so it'll be interesting to see what he does. Trowell is a guy that's got size. He's one of those. Uh, uh, um, I want to say measurables, but he's he's one of those that, that the numbers look good, and you think, okay, this is a guy that can that can have an impact. Uh, um, you know, C.J. Riley, I th- he's six foot four. He's a redshirt freshman. He he had an injury, so he missed time, but he's, mm-hmm. he's back as well. But they have some depth there. Gavin Lockley is another one. Uh, they have, they have some depth at the receiver. Uh, Jamichael Ramos is another one. He's a grad student. Uh, he's He's a he's a speed demon, and so I I think wide receiver will be a strength for NC State. I don't know that it'll be the best in the conference or even the division, but I do think it'll be upper echelon, and uh, um, I think they I think they'll be fine and be confident with who they have, and I think they'll be able to run guys in and out and and not lose a lot. When we switch gears and we look at the defensive side of the ball, you mentioned NC State on the defensive line, one of the best in the conference, if not in the country, and and I totally agree. Even though that game last year between Louisville and NC State ended up being a lopsided one, I mean, you could tell it was physical down, and it was physical on the line, and you could tell that NC State had some guys. And I know when you you look at the guys that NC State was bringing back on the defensive front – there were more than a few that I thought, man, can he just go pro? Can they? <laughs> can he just go yeah. to the league? Um, but it looks like they're going to be strong again on that defensive line. Linebacker position looks like it's going to be good. If there's one area of concern, uh, and I use that term, you, you know, with quotations around it, uh, for this NC State defense, I, it looks to me at the defensive back position. Um, is that? kind of what you're thinking as well um as far as this defense goes yeah i would i would agree i think uh they lost josh jones he was uh, drafted in the second round um the, i think guys in, in terms of the uh 2017 season there there's some guys out there that have stuff to prove they also lost uh dravius Wright, who was uh, he would play nickel sometimes and uh yeah that yeah that, i would i would definitely say that that's 
I guess the, I won't say source of consternation. Maybe that's a little strong, but the source of worry. Uh, but I do think they have some talent back there. The uh, interception that I told you about that they dropped against Florida State would mm-hmm. seal the win. That sh- that was Sean Boone. He he will return. Uh, he tends to mention that interception without being asked. Hmm. So it's so it seems to be something that he's using to motivate himself. Now will will that manifest itself into a, a breakout season or? or redemption or will it, you know, you know, repetition, will he uh, fold under the, you know, under the lights again? I don't know. Uh, time will tell, but I do think Sean Boone is an incredibly talented player. Uh, they have Freddie Phillips jr. Who's uh, another one. His, uh, he'll play some nickel and he can play in the defensive backfield. He's a guy that uh, uh, I would keep an eye on. And, and I think, I think they'll, they'll have some talent back there. Um, you know, Vernon Greer is one. I'm, I'm, I'm rattling off here at the, the top of my head. You know, they, they have some guys back there that can, that can make plays. I think Sean Boone is the one to watch in 2017. I think he's the one that can be not just a talented player, but uh, also a leader. And, uh, I, you know, I think as time goes by, it, it'll be interesting. I think that fourth game is the first ACC game where they play Florida State. Before that, they'll have played South Carolina and Marshall. Mm-hmm. So that that so they'll get some 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 good you know reps in those first four games. That's that's those for you know three of the first four South Carolina Marshall and, and Florida State. That's that's a pretty solid uh, first month of the season, and we'll find out about them then. But I do think they will. Uh, I don't I don't think they'll be a burden, but I do think they have something to prove. I know that when this schedule was released, Robin, we all looked at it and saw Louisville at NC State on a Thursday night, knowing what this NC State team had coming back, I saw that, and immediately my ears went up. And I thought, oh, yeah. boy, oh, boy. There's a there's a very good chance that Louisville goes into a hornet's nest there uh, in Raleigh on a Thursday night. And I know Lewis, my co-host, that is his game that he has circled, underlined, um, quotations around it, um, that that is a scary game for the Cardinals this season. So when you – look ahead at that game and I know we're several several months from that but Louisville coming in on a Thursday night to play NC State and you mentioned earlier that if NC State's going to make that next move and and get up into that upper level of the Atlantic Division these are the type of games that they have to win against the big three and you've got Louisville and Clemson at home and Louisville that first one uh, of those two home games how big is this for NC State and what do you think that environment's going to be like on a Thursday night? Well, the depth of how big it'll be will the tail of the tape will be in terms of what's their record when they when Louisville comes to town, mm-hmm. and obviously the same thing with Louisville. Uh, NC State historically has done very well in games like that, uh, which is funny, and a lot of them usually have, have been involved with uh, Florida State. Mm-hmm. Uh, they pull out they pull out some big wins on Thursday night. Uh, Thursday night games at, at Carter Finley Stadium. It's not as big as Papa John's or or Doak or, or Death Valley, but uh, Carter Finley is, is is incredibly loud. It's, it can be uh, boisterous and the, the students and, and the fans are right there uh, so it should be a good atmosphere um, I think it's a huge game for NC State uh, I anticipate it to be big again it, you know if they the week before they play Syracuse at home so if they don't handle their business against Syracuse that would that would really negate a lot of the, uh, the a lot of the oomph from that game but mm-hmm. and that's and that's really uh, speaking of that, that's really a problem for Dave Dorn. He's not won enough home games in the ACC. Yeah. He's not won. He's he's losing three home games a season, and uh, that's what's keeping NC State from sort of crossing that line. Uh, 
Now, if you get to this game and you're five and zero, or you're even four and one with a loss to uh, Florida State, it's still a huge game. But you got to at some point win these games, and so uh, you know that's it, it, in, in that scenario. I think you you can expect a kitchen you know, everything but the kitchen sink type of attitude from NC State. They they desperately want to win this game. And uh, two seasons ago, they should have beat, uh, in my opinion, they should have beat Louisville at home. Uh, you had your quarterback that day, uh, you know, couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat, but he could run. <laughs> up, but, but but he ran up and down the field. Uh-huh. I think he ran from Louisville, like Louisville to Owensboro and back. Yeah, exactly. And, and so, yeah, so uh, this is, you know, th- in that regard, you would have to think NC State uh, will look for some sort of redemption if they're competitive. And guys like uh, Chubb and Justin Jones and Darian Roseboro, guys on the line, it, it's going to be a challenge, you know. Louisville, their team, you have to play your lane. You can't leave your lane on the defensive line. And that's supposed to be a strength for NC State this season. So uh, it should be a great atmosphere Thursday night game, 8 o'clock. Yeah, come on. I mean, that's, that's college football, man. It doesn't get better than that. It's, it's going to be one heck of a game, that's for sure, um, especially if NC State comes out firing at the beginning of the season. Obviously, the, the game against South Carolina. And then you mentioned Marshall Furman at Florida State and Syracuse. Uh, before Louisville comes to town on October the 5th. Uh, Rob, a couple more and we'll get you out of here. Um, sure. When when you saw the predictions of how these teams will finish in the ACC uh, came out a couple of days ago, and obviously Florida State at number one in the Atlantic I don't think is any real surprise. But Clemson, given all they've lost and given the, the fact that they're going to be breaking in a new quarterback, still at second in the Atlantic with Louisville at third and NC State at four. Any surprise to you that that's how it fell out? I mean, I don't – you know, if you think Florida State's the best team, I, I think after that, really, Florida, the Clemson and Louisville, you know, you know, six of one, half a dozen another mm-hmm. in terms of where you pick them as second or third. I, to me, if I'm making that prediction, I'm looking at the schedule and seeing where they play. And I think the game this season will be down in Clemson, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that's uh, a home game Louis- this year it's, for it's Louisville. A game for, it's a home game for Louisville. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, that Louisville – maybe a second place team just based on the fact that the luck of the draw, the game's not in death Valley this year. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, but the same thing applies to NC state having Louisville and Clemson in their place. And so they may end up being a second place team because they get those two home games. Right. So I, I, I think a lot of it is, is I don't know how much foresight there is. Clemson won a national championship and that's, you know, yeah, they've lost this and that, but you know, I'm, I'm one of those that, I think the burden of proof is on you until you do it. Mm-hmm. And Clemson's done it. And so now the burden of proof is on Louisville and NC State uh, to show that they can, and much more on NC State than Louisville, to, to show that they can be am- among those elite teams. So uh, I, I don't see a, a real problem with it. Um, Clemson has shown they can win road games. Uh, Louisville, uh, you know, you know, maybe you know they'll they'll have their work cut out for them. I don't know what week of the game, what week of the season that game is, but uh, if it's if it's if it's later in the season, then obviously Clemson will have uh, found their identity by then, and that that's another one that should be a great game. I'm gonna tell you right now, you know, we talk about SEC and ACC. Give me the ACC Atlantic. I mean, I, I'll take it. Mm-hmm. Look, man, that is a meat grinder. That is big boy football, and when, and I think that's why Clemson has the confidence to play in a national championship game against Alabama. Not just beat them, but play them tough two years in a row. Exactly. It's because they, because they go through the Atlantic Division, and in their mind, they're thinking, "Yeah, you're great and all that, but we've dealt with this before. So if you can survive this, and you can and you can get yourself in a position where you're competing for a conference title, or even God, 
you know, hey, a national title, mm-hmm. then you're gonna you're gonna have a lot of confidence. When we look at the coastal division, Rob, it it seems like this year, I mean, it could be a a mess again, like it has been the past couple seasons we've seen, um, where you've got teams with four and five losses winning the division. Uh, I know a lot of people are high on Miami right now, um, but you look at Miami, Virginia Tech. Um, we don't really know what to expect from North Carolina this year. Um, when you look over at the Coastal Division, what are you what are you thinking? What are you seeing? I mean, are you buying the Miami hype this year? I think the Coastal is really more, so much of a toss up that it's. I mean, this is this is the situation where we we deal with down in the Triangle. We, we NC State competes with Duke and North Carolina, and Duke and North Carolina obviously are in the Coastal, mm-hmm. and they've been to an ACC championship game each of them. And so NC State's retort is, well, come on to the Atlantic if you want to, you know, <laughs> compare your 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 and, and that's when they always get quiet. I think the Coastal Division you get six toss-up games, whereas in the Atlantic Division, if you're not, if you're NC State or you're Boston College, you're Wake Forest or you're Syracuse, you're getting three games you think you should win, and you're getting three games that you you know you're an underdog. Mm-hmm. And so that's the difference between the coastal and the Atlantic. So the coastal division, you can you can go in there, and, and every week you have a, a chance to, uh, in terms of at least, you know, now obviously they're going to try to win, but in, in, in the minds of the prognosticators, in a coastal division, you have a chance to win every game in that division. And so, yeah, Miami, I think they're a very good program. And I think Mark Rick, eventually, they're just – they're just they care about football too much down there at some point there's too much high school talent somebody can coach and recruit there's going to create separation at some point it may be this year i think miami eventually will happen i think miami and florida state in an acc championship game eventually is going to happen this could be the year but uh you know with the coastal division that's the great thing is that you can go in there and you know if you just look at it and say well you know we got miami at home this year we got Vitek, you know, they're not, you know, we can win there. You know, you, you're going to look at that and think to yourself, you know, we can do this annually, whereas the Atlantic division is completely different. I, as I say, I think Miami is a great program on the rise. Uh, I don't, they're not the Miami of the old. Uh, they're not the, uh, um, the Miami that played Louisville in the bowl game, I guess, a few years ago. Then they played uh, Louisville. It's been pretty recent, I believe. Yes. Yeah. So, they, yes. they played them and then Louisville in their first ACC game, uh, turned around and played them again that next season. Um, right. So, yeah, we had back-to-back Miami games. Yeah, I, I, I recall that now. So, I, you know, are they at that level? That's the next question. But they've lost a lot, too. You know, Kai is gone. And, and so uh, it'll be interesting to see. But I don't think they have the same meat grinder uh, that um, that others. Now, I will say this, though. Miami crosses over with Florida State every year. You know, if you're North Carolina, you cross over. Uh, you play NC State, you know. Right. I, you know, NC State. NC State fans love their school to death, but they're not Florida State. And so, you know, part now. Now, give Miami credit. You don't ever hear them complaining about that. Exactly. Their mindset is. Their mindset is. So what? You play Florida State every year. We're supposed to beat them every year. And so, I tip my hat to them for that. They'll play anybody anywhere. Uh, but they're, you know, as far as the coastal goes, they probably got a harder road in that regard. But uh, at some point, they're going to break through. And, and I, yeah, I would probably predict this to be the season they finally get that division title. Rob McLam, our guest here on the show, beat writer and now host of the new podcast, Inside Pack Sports. Rob, where can we find the podcast? Go ahead and shout it out. Let everybody know. Well, our, we, I was with Pack Pride for five years, which is 
covering NC State and the Scout Network. Uh, long story short, uh, the publisher of that site uh, started an independent site, uh, and I, I, I went over with him. It's on uh, InsidePackSports.com, uh, and uh, that site is actually uh, we're waiting for the vendors to clear so the subscribers can can run their cards through. That's so it's actually uh, could 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 open up any uh, could open up today could open up tomorrow, but it's only a matter of time. We just as I say, we're waiting on the vendors. Uh, on the uh, Twitter, it's Inside Pack Sport, no S. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and you know, I'm always tweeting in my name, Rob McLand. So uh, we're out there in the podcast. Uh, we'll be tweeting it, and uh, we look forward to the football season. We look forward to Louisville coming down uh, October 5th. That should be a great day. Y'all can make a trip down there. Hey, man, we got to play the barbecue for you, bro. Hey, sounds like a plan, Rob. We appreciate you so much. Thanks for hopping on and spending some time with us. And uh, we'll talk to you game week as well. My pleasure. Take care, sir. Awesome. Thank you. Rob McLam there, beat writer and host of the Inside Pack Sport podcast. Love when Rob comes on and spends some time with us. Um, really drops some knowledge there on the NC State Wolfpack. Um, Lewis, I know this was your game. This was your, your game that you were concerned about. Um, you feeling any less concern, any more concern um, about that game after we talked to Rob? Well, I think, I mean, I definitely think I was concerned. I'm more concerned about the Wake Forest game. But, um, I mean, NC State last year, I'm serious, dude. I just, you wait. Really? Wait until, wait until Wake Forest kicks our butts and then just, we'll clip. I'm going to clip all the audio so you remember. But, yeah, I, I mean, North or um, NC State, I remember two years ago when we played them um, there. That was supposed to be like a premier matchup. Um, and that was one of the first times we really saw Lamar Jackson kind of break out. Um, I th- I'm pretty sure that was our first win of the season, um, if I'm not mistaken. I-, I think that was the season we started off 0-3. Um, but, <sighs> yeah, we, I mean, we played them tough. They were supposed to be a really tough matchup for yeah. us, and, and we just went out and, and beat them, and then last year was no trouble at all. Um, so I-, I think this is kind of a, a big year for NC State because, um, you know, Getting a win over Louisville, regardless of how good they are, um, they, it kind of gets that off their back, which they haven't been able to do yet. So um, I, I don't know if I'd call it a trap game, but yeah, it's definitely going to be a tough matchup. And, and I think that they have a lot of talented pieces, but I think they have a lot of unknowns right now. So we'll see. It sounds like, Lou, that we need to make the trip down to Raleigh because Rob said he's got to play to barbecue for both of us if we make the trip down there. So, I mean, it sounds like that's something we may need to look into because I, I've heard about North Carolina barbecue. I mean, I don't need any other details. You just tell me you have a plate of barbecue somewhere in the United States and I'm going to hop in the car. <laughs> we could definitely do that road trip to Raleigh uh, for that game. And I think, dude, I think it's going to be a great game. I mean, it, it, the atmosphere is going to be electric, if, especially if NC State manages to find a way to beat Florida State. Uh, in Tallahassee, I mean, if that happens and NC State's undefeated and Louisville's undefeated in that game, you're talking about Atlantic Division title ramifications on the line. Um, I mean, and even if they only have one loss and that one loss is to Florida State, that just like Rob said, I mean, that's nothing to be ashamed of. Um, that's going to be a really fun game and an exciting game uh, and a tough one for Louisville to win on the road on a Thursday night coming off a short rest. Um it's gonna be, it's gonna be something, and I, I really don't know how, 
if I feel more secure, less secure, however you want to say about that uh, after talking to Rob. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, again, they're a really talented team. I think there's a lot of unknowns, but I think this is going to be a great matchup, and I think more so I'm worried about Wake Forest. You wait. I just don't get your Wake Forest. Like, what What about Wake Forest scares you? Just the Wakey Leagues, dude. Oh, I'm scared. Oh, my gosh. Okay, when is Wake Forest? It's because I can't wait to to talk this one. When When is this game coming up for us? Let's see. That one is... I think we got a couple weeks yet before we before we have them on. Yeah, I'm counting down NC the weeks. State. Okay, yeah. So we got one, two. We got three weeks. We got three weeks before we talk Wake Forest on the show. Um, and when we talk Wake, I don't want to hear any Wakey leaks. You you keep all of that to yourself. We don't need to hear Wakey leaks. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. That's all the time we have on the show for tonight, guys. Again, make sure you share the podcast out. Big thanks to Rob McLamb for joining us. Uh, Man. All right. We'll be back with you next week talking more uh, Louisville football and all kinds of fun stuff like that. For Lewis, I'm Taylor. This has been another episode of The Breakdown. Have a great night, guys, and go Cards. Go Cards. But there's a couple things that you